Before we get started, I want to talk about sponsors that help make this show possible. I've partnered with swimming companies that can serve our international audience. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. The Magic 5, custom-fitted goggles that are tailor-made for your exact face. You shouldn't feel like you're wearing any goggles. Use code BRETTHAWK20 at checkout to receive 20% off. Swim Angelfish. Receive the tools and skills needed to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions with swim angelfish go to swimangelfish.com superior swim timing run a swim meet with ease from your laptop sst is fully compatible with high tech team unify as well as colorado dactronics and amiga touchpads superiorswimtiming.com are you in need of a pace clock? Looking to finally upgrade those ancient analog clocks? The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is the most innovative digital pace clock. Go to swimpractice.com to check it out. All right, mate, we are on. Tom Dean, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, what you up to, mate? What have you been doing these days? Uh, not much. It's been a hectic month, to be fair. Been a bit all over the place. Um, a lot of media commitments, stuff like that. Uh, catching up with friends, family. Uh, I actually went for a swim this morning for the first time in uh, a long, long time. It felt pretty weird, but no, I've just been relaxing and enjoying a bit of time off. Oh, good stuff, mate. You deserve it. Did you have um, management before you went into the Olympic Games? Uh, no, I didn't. Oh wow! So it's just kind of something new for you now. Then you got, I'm sure you got management now. Then yeah, yeah, all sorted. Oh great, good stuff, mate. So they're definitely keeping you busy. Yeah, yeah. Um, mate, interesting thing. So you were born May 2000. I yes. actually made my first Australian team in May of 2000. So there you go. So uh, yeah, here we are, 21 years later. I'm I'm an old retired Olympian. You're <laughs> a double Olympic champion, mate. Yeah. So. Congrats, good stuff, mate. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you I've been much. I've been watching um, some of your interviews lately and mm -hmm. um, learning about you and listening to some of the build up and stuff. So um, I think I think you've said tons of stuff, but I, I want to touch on some of that myself. But um, I want to start with something funny, if that's all right with you. Yeah, of I was, course. I was looking at some stats on um, redheads. And, right. Uh, I wanted to kind of give you some stats here. So I, I don't know if you knew this, but there's only 2% of the world's population are redheads. Did you know that? I thought it was 1%. So oh, 1%. It's, expecting. <laughs> it's growing. Absolutely. <laughs> what about this? Most redheads are left-handed. Is that true? That is not true in my case. No, sir. You're right-handed, uh, right eh? Right-handed, yeah. Okay. Um, what This was interesting for, for someone that won uh, an, a painful event. It says redheads are more susceptible to pain. Is that true? I've actually had the opposite. I've heard we've got higher pain tolerance than uh, than the average population. Um, mm. Yeah, that's what I heard. I mean, I mean, it doesn't help me when I do a 400 AM, but, you know. <laughs> Mate, I would imagine if you did win the 200 at the Olympics, you've got a pretty high pain tolerance. So, yeah, you're, so. you're in the uh, minority. What about mm -hmm. um, bees? They seem to be attracted to redheads more. Um, you ever been stung by a bee? Can't say I have, so oh. yeah, it's yet to happen. Yet to happen, mate. You are you're I killing know. the stats here, smashing, smashing the stereotypes. <laughs> what about uh, redheads are funny people? Are you funny? I like to think I'm pretty funny, really. It's not you, my place to say, <laughs> crack a joke in practice, yeah. No. Um, I was listening, I was looking at famous redheads. Okay, mm -hmm. you've, you've obviously got Prince Harry and Queen Elizabeth first in there, yep. but um. I didn't realize Cleopatra was a redhead. Oh, really? I did not. I didn't know that either. Yeah, I'm Cleopatra. Apparently, the Egyptian redhead. Winston Churchill, Marilyn Monroe, Ed Sheeran. Do you like him? 
Um, I like some of his stuff. I'm not the biggest fan, but I like some of his stuff. You can't say that. You're British. <laughs> and what about this? So what color are your eyes? Apparently, um, blue-eyed redheads are super rare. You don't have blue eyes, do you? I do, yeah. Blue eyes. Blue oh, eyes. man. Oh, see, that's yeah. it. See, you're you're like the, the rarest of the rare. One in a million. Thank you very much. You are a unicorn of, of um, <laughs> massive sorts. All right, that's it. That's my stats on redheads, mate. Go All back good. to the swimming. All good. <laughs> now, listen... Um, Oh, uh, something else we have in common. Uh, both our mothers' names are Jackie. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, Jackie, hey, what a what a superstar mum! Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, five kids, raising so. raising them on her own. Is that true? Uh, the last few years, yep. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Mate. That's awesome, yeah, yeah. mate. Uh, where are you fall in the uh, category of the kids? I'm number two uh, in the ranking of all five. I've got an older sister, a younger sister, and then two younger brothers. Awesome, mate. Do they swim as well? Uh, my youngest brother does. He's 16. He's just like coming up through the ranks. Um, and my older sister went on a swimming scholarship to Duke. Um, but she's back oh, really? and she's, she's finished up now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Did yeah. you ever um, think about that? Did you ever want to go to the US or think about it? I did. I went on a recruiting trip, actually. Um, I went on a recruiting trip to a number of different universities. And I did the normal process of, you know, contacting them and having an email exchange and everything like that. But just before I was, had to make my decision, um, you know, none of these universities were offering me enough for scholarship because I wasn't the quickest 17 year old in the world. Um, and it just wasn't, wasn't viable, unfortunately. Um, but I think it will work out in the end. And I'm very, very happy that I, I went to Bath instead. Where'd you, where'd you end up going on a recruiting trip to? I went to <clears throat> Ohio State, Virginia Tech, Duke, and michigan oh my god guys you let this one go what are you doing so many so many of them didn't even reply to my emails like i, I had nothing so yeah it was a bit bit peak but so you think if someone had have offered you a full scholarship at that age you may have taken it up that was the only thing stopping me <clears throat> that was the only thing stopping me yeah so wow yeah that's the thing i was going to follow my sister's footsteps out to the world of collegiate swimming Wow. So not even Duke um, saw the potential in you, eh? No, sir. No, sir. Oh, wow. Yeah, massive, massive miss on that one. Just the way it goes, but That's I think it worked out in my favor. So University of Bath, eh? So um, what is it about that place that makes it special? Um, Dave McNulty. Yeah. Dave McNulty is what makes it special. Um, yeah. You yeah. know, the relationship I've got with him and his coaching style is similar to my coach, Paul Lloyd. It was my age group coach, mm. um, you know, not afraid of the hard work. I guess they'll get stuck in and, and, and do kind of a lot of old school threshold work and, and building that engine, which is really important. Uh, you know, we get on so well. I'm seeing him after this. We're just going to have a meet up for lunch and um, just have a catch up. But yeah, just knowing the track record that he had coming into the center with a number of different swimmers from a number of different strokes and disciplines. Um, you know, we worked so well together. And then with Jimmy, the three of us are just like smashing it every day, twice a day. And the work we've done over the last 12 months has been like, I mean, unlike anything I've seen before. And in the leading up to the games, I was like, the work we're doing here, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I can say with almost certainty that no one in the world's doing the kind of work we were doing and, and the times we were doing in training. And I think that that came to fruition. And that point was proved when we actually went out to Japan. So it's that combo and it's, it's that training environment that I think works so well. I want to dig into that a little bit because um, I was talking to Jimmy just a second ago and he was telling me something very similar in terms of the training that you did the last 12 months. He feels like no one in the world was doing that. Um, but I, I just want to stay on um, Dave McNulty for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. Tell me more about him. I, I don't know you know, every coach in the world, but yeah. he has a reputation for being really good. Yes. Uh, you know, So talk to me about Dave for a second. Yeah, Dave's a great guy. I think if if you know British swimming and you're in the British swimming circle, then you know Dave McNulty. He's got a, quite a reputation. But I mean, he got um, he's had medalists with long distance female swimmers. He's had medalists with sprint backstrokers, uh, IM swimmers, uh, 200 breaststrokers. You know, he's an amazing 200 breaststroke coach. Um, and now with myself and Jimmy, 200 freestylers and 100 fly in Jimmy's case as well. So. You know, he's got so much talent across the board. It's not like he just has a program that is suits one type of swimmer. Um, but yeah, just like 
charismatic, always the same every day in training, you know, when you go in, you know, you're going to have a good laugh, even if you're not feeling like it. So I think just bringing so much to the table um, is is what I, I value the most about, about, about Dave probably. And we just cliff and we get on really well. And what's the University of Bath? Is he, does he have any association with them or is he a British swimming coach that just works out of there? Yeah. So with, with the UK, it's not like America. There's like, very separate there's a very big divide between the uni squad the university squad mm. and the national center squad so it's the same in bath as it is in loughborough dave has no affiliation with the university of bath um british swimming just used the university pool as a national center um so yeah he doesn't do university competitions or anything like that but while i was studying i was training at the national center but racing for the university as well as racing obviously for great britain Oh, that's cool, mate. That's cool. And so why did you end up picking there? Like, did you have a selection on where you wanted to go ultimately? Yeah. It's, I mean, with, with swimming in the UK, it's Bath, Loughborough, Sterling, really. Right. They're the three national centres. Okay. So, was, But for me, it was more Loughborough or Bath. They were the two in my mind. Um, and did you take trips to both? Uh, I didn't take – oh, yes, I did. I did. I went on the open days to both. So I studied mechanical engineering. So I was like, right, they're both pretty similar in terms of mechanical engineering. Um, Bath's a bit, Bath's a nice city. I think most people will agree when I say that. And I got on really well with Dave. So at that point, it was kind of like weighing in Bath's favor a lot. Uh, and I'm, you know, so glad with my choice. I absolutely love it here. Now, do they pay for your scholarship as well? Like in, in terms of all your tuition, that stuff, is that taken care of? Uh, no, it's not. That was out of my own pocket. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's not like America in that in that sense. Oh wow, that's that's crazy. What about in terms of travel and stuff? Are they, um, you know, they look after you in terms of you know you should be in class on this particular day or whatever, but you've got to go travel to, to compete. Uh, no, it's it's very separate. So obviously, training with the national centre, there's no affiliation with the university. So training times clash with lecture times. Um, mm. So it was basically down to myself to figure out. You know how I'm going to make them both work. Dave was so helpful in that respect, and he said, "Look, if you need to miss a session here, do that. If you need to miss a lecture here, then obviously you've got to do that." So it's a balance, but I did find it difficult um, trying to do the both at the same time, and that's why for the Olympic year I put my studies on hold and I just went full time into the training. When are you heading back into studies then? Well, I was I kind of said I'd see how Tokyo went, uh, <laughs> and then I'd make my decision off the back of that. So. I think I can put the engineering on hold for at least three more years, I reckon. Then I'll see, I'll see where I go from there. How how deep into the uh, program are you now? Uh, I was just one of the years into the three to do a bachelor, right. a bachelor in engineering. Um, so I had the the two important years to go. Do you think if um, you know by the time Paris comes back and, and and you want to go through that again, will they give you credit for that one year? Will that stick? You think? Um, I'm actually not too sure, to be honest. I've heard people stretching their degrees out over six, eight years, hmm. doing half years here and there. So to be honest, I couldn't tell you. Um, I'll just have to wait to see where I am in three years' time uh, and, and go and you know speak to the university then. But hopefully they'll give me a bit of leniency, given the results at Tokyo and hopefully Paris as well. Yeah, mate, they should they should know your face by then. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the teachers <laughs> will be a little lean on you. But yeah. Um, the other thing was, uh, Jimmy Guy does take a lot of credit for your success. He said, yeah, he, does. <laughs> he said that he was pushing you hard in practice every day, but I mean, you said the same thing. So, so talk to me about that relationship, you and him. Mm -hmm. and there's, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, I owe a lot of my, um, training and my performance over the last 24 months, technically to Jimmy, you know, joined the squad in, in September of 2019, um, moved to Dave's squad after the World Championships, um, and we've just got a great working relationship. You know, we're really great pals as well outside of the pool. Um, we do play a bit of golf, even though I'm just kind of getting started on that. So I've got a bit of catching up to do in that department. But no, we we, we train really well together. And, and like I said, the work we were doing um, between trials in April of this year and the games in July was was just unparalleled. Um, I had COVID, two bouts of COVID, unfortunately, in September and January. Um, of the last season so you know January February time was just completely catch up and Jimmy had done a solid block of work over the Christmas and New Year period so he was you know leaps and bounds ahead of where I was so I had to play a massive catch-up game then I had a solid month of training in March and then it was April trials and I had to taper down for that so yeah luckily I had someone to chase and then after trials I was like right head down not gonna you know 
slip up on a single session, going to push every single meter. Uh, and honestly, June, uh, May, May, June were just like an unreal two months. And the times we were doing were, I could just see the prog the progress we had made from pre-trials to pre-Olympics. Um, and, you know, I think that kind of showed with our results in Tokyo. Yeah, mate, you must be a unicorn. How the hell did you get COVID twice? I know. I know. Honestly, I got it in. I got my second bout of COVID in January, and I was, I, I was convinced it was like a false positive. I thought, this this can't be real. This can't be real. This can't be happening again, you know. But having to serve a two-week isolation period, having just had a week out for Christmas, so it's a three-week block of just not even touching the water. You know, that's how long people take off on their summer break. Mm. So I, ca I caught my second bout of COVID, and I spoke to the doctor, and he said, you're the first case of reinfection in the in any Olympic sport in the United Kingdom. Wow. So they didn't really know the protocol. It was kind of like, this is new ground, this is new territory. You know, there weren't many cases of reinfection across the country at all. You know, the government got in touch with me to take samples and everything. So that's how new it was. And I'm thinking, you know, reading up about long COVID, uh, the long-term effects on the heart and lungs. And, you know, I was thinking this could be the nail in the coffin for my Olympic year which is absolutely brutal having, you know, it being postponed the year before, doing a whole extra 12 months, getting around to the same point, and then it could be, you know, just just finished just like that. So it was a pretty tough time, but, you know, Dave kept me grounded, got my head back in the game and, and you know, got me training hard, which was good. What do you think it was? Like uh, the first time you get it, okay, you kind of, you know, but I, I would imagine the second time you're you're a little bit more cautious, aren't you? Like, weren't you, or were you just kind of like, oh, well, that didn't affect me too bad, and and you kind of just felt like you had the antibodies, and maybe you would never get it again, or what was going through your mind at that point? I mean, not not that I wasn't being cautious because of the rules within the national center, within the, our country, the the lockdown restrictions. You know, even if I wanted to go out and about, I'm not saying that I would, but I, you know, we weren't able to anyway, so. Cases were skyrocketing at that point in time, you know, around January time. Um, and it was just, it, I was just unlucky, I guess. There's no two ways about it, unfortunately. And, you know, when, when it happened, I was like, you know, I feel like I don't deserve this. This is so unfair, but it's just one of those things that unfortunately was out of my control. And people always talking about controlling the controllables and, you know, worrying won't, won't fix anything. But, you know, when you're in the heat of that moment, it's a lot easier said than done, I think. It sounds like the, the first bout wasn't too bad. The second bout kind of hit you a little bit harder. Yeah. What what were some of the things you were feeling second time around? It hit your lungs pretty hard? It did, yeah. You know, the kind of usual symptoms, coughing, wheezing, walking up my stairs, I was out of breath. I felt my heart rate was a lot higher. And when you're an athlete, you kind of click onto these things, your resting heart rate, um, you know, your, your, your general levels of cardiovascular fitness. And I was really struggling with it. I lost my sense of taste and smell and, if you know me, you know I love my food and everything. So that was a bit brutal. Uh, and I was starting to read up on people who had lost it for 12, 18 months or never got it back. So mm. I was getting a little bit worried. Um, but it was a good, it was a good 10 days of real, you know, bad illness, and I just couldn't seem to shift it. So I was getting quite, quite concerned at that point. Uh, and then even when I was back in the pool, you've got to follow such a strict um return to training protocol. You know, it's like half an hour one day. 45 minutes, three days later, something like that. And it takes a good two weeks to build back into full training. So it was that on top of the three weeks out of the water. And I was looking at five weeks of not proper training, you know, two months before the Olympic trials, which is like unheard of. So it was, it was a tough time. It was a tough time. Have you had any um, long-term effects you think from this, or you feel like you, you cleared it pretty good? No, I feel like I cleared it pretty good. So I'm, I'm nice. quite fortunate. What about vaccine? Have they made you go and do that or have you done that yourself now? Yeah, the whole Team GB had to get double vaxxed prior to flying out to Japan. So, yeah, got that done and dusted. Wow, okay. Well, that shouldn't be a third bout then. You should be good Hopefully now. Not. Hopefully not. <laughs> but just hearing you, you'd probably, uh, you'd probably clear it out in another couple of days anyway, mate. You're <laughs> a freak of nature. But uh, yeah. um, Were you always good at swimming like uh did you feel like you had a natural talent for it um i think there was a degree of natural talent um you know i i, I think i've always had that growing up and i think it's a family i think it's a thing that runs in the family you know all my brothers and sisters have swum at some point in our lives and i think you can just tell when you're going against other kids that there's a there's a degree of talent there i think my coach could say the same paul 
Paul Lloyd back in Maidenhead could, could say the same, but, you know, I never really took it seriously. I mean, like I said, even when I was 17 years old, not getting any scholarships from America, I started thinking, you know, maybe this isn't for me. Like I've had a good run, but, you know, I want to focus on my studies and be a student and enjoy my student life. And it wasn't until I came to the National Centre and Dave sat me down and he said, you know, we're going to really target the relay and we'll, we'll push you in that direction. And, and, you know, hearing someone with so much history and such great results behind them, having faith in you, um, made me think, okay, maybe I should give this a proper go. But, you know, when I was in my teenage years, you know, I was, it was a big part of my life and I, you know, turned up to training every day, but I wasn't the hardest worker in the world. Um, you know, I, I had my older sister who was like, the hardest training in the pool I've ever I've ever shared a lane with and seeing what she was doing I was like I want to try and replicate that but at the same time I don't want to put in the effort so it took me a few years to kind of really wrap my head around that I'm not going to see results and if I unless I twin the the, the talent with the hard work right uh, and I think that's something that Dave's also instilled in me so there's not really any there's not two ways about it you can't skip out the hard grind you've got to have both uh, and that's what I've realized I think Right, I saw an interview where you said, you know, you gave your mum a lot of credit there because you, you said yourself you were a lazy teenager and your mum had to get you out of bed for practice a lot of the time, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was a bit of a lazy teenager. My mum had to get me out of bed. My older sister coming in like banging on my door when she was about to leave for training and I was still asleep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm still not used to the early mornings. Uh, I've been doing it for 10 years. And I'm still not used to it. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of credit to both of them. So was there a, a definitive breaking point for you? Was there a time that you can remember where you and Dave may have had a breakthrough together? Of like, like he's probably beating his head up against the wall thinking this kid's really talented. You're a little lazy. You're not, you know, you know, things aren't going maybe the way you want. Is there, a, was there a point where you can really remember? Um, I think there's definitely one in my teenage years. I was 14 years old. This is prior to meeting Dave. I was 14 years old and, you know, I was about to almost call it a day on the swimming. Um, and I sat down with my coach, Paul, and I said, look, I, I want to do what my older sister's called Connie. I want, I, was like, I want to be like Connie is, you know, winning medals at nationals. I want, that's what I want. And he just said, if that's what you want, then you've got to train like her. And that was a real clicking point in my mind. And then I just thought, okay, if I can just take it one session at a time, make sure it's 100% in that session, not think about, you know, a whole year's worth of training or a whole season try and emulate my older sister in and the work ethic she's got, then, then, you know, hopefully I won't go far wrong. So that was a real clicking point um, in my age group career. Um, in terms of my senior career, I think I've always been pretty switched on um, since coming to the National Centre when I was 18. Um, you know, I've had Dave keep me in line a little bit. I've, I've overslept once or twice and he's, he's not let me forget it. So that's a big sticking point for him. And it's given me like a degree of discipline and, and, and time organization that, that I owe a lot of credit to him. So they're the two kind of things that really stick in my mind. Right. Now, you were, it seems like you were an IAMA for a period of time there. When did it shift from the IAM to more of the freestyle? Yeah, so my whole age group program was an IAM-focused program. Um, so my whole age group career up until I was 18 years old was, you know, medley, medley, medley. Uh, I won the 200 medley. European Juniors 2017 and 2018, uh, and then <clears throat> swam at the European and then swam it, sorry, at the World Championships the following year, where I made the semi-finals. So it was I am focused until I came to the National Centre. I had a decent two and a freestyle on me, and Dave said, "Look, you've got a chance to make the relay team at the Games in 2020. So let's try and push the two and a free a little bit more. Obviously, we'll keep the I am going, but push the two and a free a little bit more, and you might sneak into that relay." And my freestyle just came on kind of leaps and bounds at that point and <clears throat> started to take precedence. Uh, I won a medal short course 400 freestyle in 2019 at Europeans. And I was like, okay, maybe I can give the two and the four a go. Um, and then obviously lockdown happened. But then I got back in the water and it was, it was 200 freestyle focus. Um, winning the 400 free short course at ISL. I find that a short course 400 free translates to a, lo translates to a long course 200 free. Mm. That gave me confidence knowing I was going into the long course seasons with, with a good 200 on me. Uh, I had a few good swims at the Manchester meets straight after my bout of COVID. I think I dropped like 147, which I was like buzzing with because I was like, oh, I've still got, you know, a decent engine on me. I can still help hold a decent 200 free time. And then um, it was just getting quicker and quicker in the lead up to trials. And then the 144 was a bit of a shock. I was hoping for a 145. You know, I'd never dipped under 146. So to make a massive one and a half second leap 
um, was pretty big. And then that gave me a lot of confidence going into Tokyo. Wow, that is a massive leap. Um, probably around that same time, I did an interview with Ian Thorpe, and he said mm -hmm. something that kind of went viral yeah. a little bit. He, yeah. he said that um, he said everyone in the world was swimming the 200 free the wrong way. Did you end up catching that little piece of the interview? I did. I saw it all over Twitter. Uh, people send it to me and everything, and you know, not going out quick enough and, and not attacking it. And then, you know, I was up what twenty three nine in trials, fifty point five to a hundred, and I was like, at that point, I turned at hundred. I was like, right, I've gone out a bit quicker than I was expecting. Let's just see if I can bring it back home. Let's ride this wave. And lo and behold, you know, I came back and, and I had that back end. So, and then I, I knew I had to replicate that. In Tokyo, but I had to swim a 50 point mid to feet for 100, but it had to be comfortable. You know, I could go 50 point low and it'd be too much of an exertion. I'd go 51, you know, low, like a 51 one or something, and it I'd have too much catching up to do. Um, so I had to find that sweet spot around the 50.4 mark, and, and, and that's what I was able to do. You know, riding off the you know, being almost pulled along by the South Korean helped me a lot, but I was comfortable and I knew I was able to. To reel him, reel him in, but yeah, I do remember, um, I do remember that episode and, and, and reading that quote, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, did it, did it make sense to you what Thorpe was saying at that point in time? It did completely, and I think, I, I, I think the two hundred three is such a tactical event, mm -hmm. it's such a tactical event, and there's so many ways you can swim it, and and you know, the more I race it, the greater appreciation I have for the event. Obviously, looking up to the legends like Thorpe and Yell, you know, I saw a quote that he. That he gave about myself after Tokyo, which was, you know, amazing to hear like a legend like himself talk about it, you know, watching the races from Athens, um, watching them, you know, Phelps swim in Beijing, you know, 09, just amazing races that it's got so much history. It's got such a rich history as an event. So to be a part of that is, is so, so cool. Um, and, you know, if I can take any kind of nuggets of information and wisdom from people mm. like Ian Thorpe, then, you know, I'll take on everything. I take on board everything I possibly can, and and try and you know see where it fits into my race plan. Do, have you done that? Do you study the greats? Do you look at some of those old races of Agnell, of Phelps, of Thorpe? Do you watch those things? Oh, completely, uh, absolutely. I've got a friend uh, George Taplin from back home, a really great swimming friend of mine. You know, a training partner. We're always sending each other videos. You know, he'll right. send me. Thorpe's 400 from 2002 and just the appreciation of the stroke and, and, and everything is amazing. You know, we absolutely love it. And, and I think you can learn so much from watching the greats, you know, like these, these guys swim uh, and race. I think you can just take so much from it. And, you know, I'd highly recommend any student of the sport to just do their research because you can learn so, so much. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that I've now got a name in that kind of world of 200 freestyle. And, and I'm able to look back and say, right, this is where I won the Olympics, you know, on this event this year. Uh, and I can kind of slot my name in, in that history book slightly. Yeah, mate, listen, you're the next case study. People are, people mm -hmm. are, there's kids dreaming to be Tom Dean now. Like, mm -hmm. that's pretty cool, right? It is. It is pretty cool. And it's not quite sunken just yet, but it's pretty cool, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to be studying you for years. They're going to be talking about yeah. you. Some kid 10 years from now is going to be saying, I watched Tom Dean at the Olympics and yeah. wanted to do that. Um you know, I saw somewhere where you said it was a little bit of a shock that you won the race. And then there must have been times during training that you felt like you were certainly a contender, right? Yeah, I mean, I think every swimmer, it creeps into their mind. Imagine if you won the Olympics, you know, just, just picture what that would feel like. And, you know, you're lying in bed trying to go to sleep and you make, you're like, oh, I wonder if that... Imagine if that happened, imagine how cool that would feel. But you kind of got to push to the side and push it to the back of your mind and think, you know, don't don't think about that. Just think about the process. Think about the work I've got to do. Even going into the race, you know, when I'm in warm-up, I'm like, you know, it'd be pretty cool if I was able to get my hand on the wall first. But you can't you can't think like that. You, know, you just can't afford to. So yeah, it definitely kind of crept into my mind. Um going in ranked second behind Duncan. I knew it was gonna be a tight race. I knew it was gonna take a quicker time than my trial swim to, you know, even equal. My, my, my place, let alone kind of get the gold. And I knew Duncan was going to be coming back quick. You know, the way he went from a 145 in the heats to 144 in, in the semi, I knew he was going to just move on in the final. He's a great, you know, athlete when it comes to, to having really considered and, and, and kind of smart swim. So I knew he was going to come back quick. 
Um, but when I turned up 100 and I saw that he wasn't up there, you know, head to head with me, I was like, he's got some catching up to do. And, and I know that I can close down the rest of this field. So, yeah, it was an interesting one. It definitely kind of crept into my mind. And down that last 50, I'm breathing to the right. I can't even see Duncan. I can just see the Brazilian and the South Korean. And I'm thinking I can close these boys down. No problem. It's just how quick is Duncan going to come back on this last 50? You know, just try and get my head down and hope I put my hand on the wall first. And, you know, it came down to four and hundredths of a second between me and Slam. Uh, Duncan, sorry. So, um, yeah, it's a tight one. It's a real, real tight one. Is it true that you don't like Duncan Scott? That is not true. I don't know where you heard that. <laughs> I just made that <laughs> up. Spreading rumors. A little rivalry, you know? <laughs> no, not at all. No, he's, he's honestly, um, having looked up to him for years, mm. um, it's always amazing to share a pool with him. And, and, you know, when I made my first team in 2018 on that relay, the 4 by 2 relay at Europeans, I was in a cool room with Duncan and, and Jimmy. And I was like, you know, I've never met these guys, but they're legends. Like, they've done such cool swims in the past. Like, it's so cool to be able to share you know, relay with them and, and obviously racing Duncan on the 203, the odd 200M as well with him since then has been amazing. So, yeah, there's there's no, never any bad blood. Um, I think we just respect each other and respect the competition. And, you know, I still look up to him for what he's achieved um, in the pool and also how he presents himself out the pool. I think they're two um, great qualities of him. Who did you think in the lead up to the games was were the guys to beat like the, the the couple? Who did who did you think were the real contenders for the gold before you you know you put yourself there? Um, I mean, I knew Popovici was on good form, but I thought you know he's probably targeted the Europeans. Um, so yeah, what's your thoughts on that kid? Yeah, I think I think he's he's well. I've seen a few of the talks he's done recently. I've seen some of the quotes he's given. Um, you know, I think he's, you know, an amazing time for the age uh, that he is. Absolutely incredible. You know, I can't fault that. And he really kind of exploded onto the scene this year. I think he needs to um, consider his longevity in the sport and where he goes from here, having gone so quickly at such a young age. But, um, you know, I saw he's, he's, he's a student of the sport as well, which, which you know, you've got to respect. So an amazing swim to him and, and, and all credit for the time he's gone at the age he is. But, um yeah, and, and, you know, the biggest stage in the world at such a young age is quite amazing. So I think he's got a good future ahead of him and, you know, I look forward to racing him again. Um, but going into it, obviously, it was Duncan, probably the main um, the main competitor. Um, Mal Yutin, obviously, he won the the, the two um, Europeans a few weeks prior, but he didn't have a brilliant four. Uh, the same with Rapsis, um, you know, not on the form we've seen him in the past. He's a 144.3 guy in the past. So... I knew it was going to be a tight race and it's kind of ones that could have gone anywhere and someone might even explode onto the scene and do an unreal swim that no one is expecting. But uh, yeah, those were the guys kind of, I, I, I was had my eyes on. Yeah. I did an, an interview with uh, Popovich a couple of weeks ago and he said three times in the, in the interview that he was going to be the 200 freestyle Olympic champion in Paris. How, how does that make you feel? I think, you know, anyone can say that really, you know, I could sit here and say that. Um, some people I, I train with could sit here and say that, but, um, and it's great, you know, having that confidence, you know, all credit to him. Um, it's not really my style, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that I'm going to do the work I need to do and, and let the results speak for themselves. But, um, you know, if he's got those aims and those dreams, as long as he kind of puts the hard work in and, and does what he needs to do, then, you know, all the best to him. But, uh, you know, there's no shadow of doubt in my mind that I'm going to be doing the same kind of work, if not better, in the 23-24 season. Uh, you know, and I look forward to stepping on the blocks as a stronger athlete than I was in Tokyo uh, and, you know, closer to my peak age, I'd say. So, you know, um, I think that's great. So it's, it's good that he's got that that degree of confidence. And um, if he's willing to drop some quick times, then it's really exciting for the event and, and for the competitions in the future. Mate, he's also talking about the possibility of the world record. What's your thoughts on the 200 free world record? It's a it's a beast world record. It is. It is a beast world record. I was reading an article just the other day about Biederman dropping from a 146 to his 142 in the space of 11 months. And you kind of have to really question at that point the suit, don't you, essentially? Yeah. Um, yeah. Look at his 400 free world record. I mean... Oh, look, I've, I've never met the guy and obviously he's an amazing athlete, um, unreal times. I think Thorpe's 2002 swim should be the world record. Um, he was so, so close. Uh, but, but you know, 
an, un, an unreal swim, but 142 flat. I mean, who's who's come close in a textile suit? You know, Aniel obviously, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of ahead of where the competition is at the moment. But look at since 2013, you know, 144s have pretty much been, I mean, Jimmy won in a 145, um, you know, 145 got a silver in Rio, like, it hasn't gone much quicker than the 145, 144 kind of area. Obviously, Rapsus' 144.3 was great, but are we going to see a 143 at Tokyo, uh, um, Paris? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, if the event's moving that way, but, you know, a high 143 is a long, long way off from a 142 flat. And for the world record right. to get one drop of 141, I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't know if I'll see that for a long Right, long. so you think it might be out of reach? Like, is it just is it just too good, is it? I mean, it's, it's like anything really, isn't it? Look at, um, you know, how fast can someone run 100 metres? Right. How fast can someone do anything? Is someone going to break, you know, go like a low nine second 100 metres? Stuff like this. How, how far is the human capability? I think we're probably reaching that peak as, as, as technology and, and training environments get better, but the margins get finer and finer. Um, I think the 200 freeze up there with um, Phelps' 403, 4am as, as two of the hardest world records to, to close down. Um, but, you know, I can't wait to see how quick I can go. Uh, I know I've got more in me. Um, only 21 years old. I've, I, I know I can go quicker. 143 would be amazing to have my name to a time like that. Um, but, you know, I can't wait to see how the event progresses as well. What about 46.9, mate? Are you going to take down my world record that, that I that I coached? Are you going to do that one? Is that is that that's that's the next one on the cards? Okay, go good. As well. <laughs> get, take down the CLO record. That's yeah. good. Um... <laughs> All right. What was I going to say? I just lost track. Uh, well, tell me about the training then that went into this Olympic gold medal. Can you share a couple of workouts with us? Maybe just um, give us give us a couple of sets that really stand out in your mind uh, of stuff that was just good good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of have benchmark sets. Every athlete will have benchmark sets, and and you know, at the end of the set, if they can hit a certain time, then they know it's a kind of good judge of where they are. Um, for me, it was always we do um, uh, threshold uh, threshold effect sessions. That's what it's called. Sorry, it's been so long since I've done one. Um, but we did this one where it was absolutely brutal. It was like four rounds. It was 450s off a minute, hitting two unbroken 200 pace um, under your PB. And then it was... What are you holding during those? Um, so I think I went like added up to like a 143 or something like that. Right. So um, 142, 143. Um, so I was quite happy with it. And then it was like 300, 200, 100 going um, 40 below, 30 below, 20 below, and then 100 easy and then 100 going 10 below. Um, so I beat below max heart rate. So that last 100 is basically all out. And then we repeated that four times. So it's a big, big, you know, chunky set. And I think on that those hundreds, I was holding 52, so those last ones, you know, from a push long course. Um, so at the end of like a descent of VO2 set, if I'm going 53s or 54s, that's really good. And it, it was like a few weeks before you start taper, I think two weeks before you start taper, and I was holding 52s this whole session. I was like, this is like insane, you know. I turned around to Jimmy and I said, oh, you know, I've never, I've never done that before mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. I've moved this on in the last few months since pre-trial, so I know... I'm going to be able to PB at the games. So that gave me so much confidence going into it. Um, the race pace just getting e easier and easier. 24, 20, sorry, 26 lows to feet, just knocking them out all day long, um, Jimmy and I. So it just gives you confidence and sets like that are real benchmark sets where you can kind of assess whereabouts you are. Are you playing any um, head games with Jimmy or just even yourself to build confidence against a training partner like that. Like when I had a training, I had a sprint partner myself and he, and he would pull up short on the wall every time. And he would, he would beat me to kind of like the, the 47 meter mark, but I would just find a way to touch him yeah. out every time. And in my head, it kind of helped me feel like I, I was beating him because I would just touch the wall for us. Yeah. He'd pull up a little, like, do you, do, do you and Jimmy play little mind games with yourselves like that? I think in the lead up to trials, there was probably a degree of that because we were both going for a 200 free spot. Right. Um, you know, it's always been Duncan and Jimmy as the two guys who go for the individual 200 free, but now I was trying to take one of those spots. Um, I think you're always pushing each other. You're always pushing against each other in training and we both have different strengths. Um, you know, I can might be able to push more of the thresholds, kind of heart rate, the 30 beats below, and then he'll have the burst to go for the sprint stuff and the speed work. 
Mm. So we've got our own different strengths and you're always kind of judging each other. And, you know, I always want to try and get my hand on the wall first, even if it's just like an aerobic session, we might sprint the last 15 meters and stuff like that. But, you know, it's good camaraderie. And then post trials, I'd secure his 200 free spot as right. my own for that individual swim, myself and Duncan were the two guys going. And at that point it was like, right, we're just pushing each other for the relay. Everything we do now is for the relay. Like when you're at the end of like a brutal set and you can't push it, you like yourself anymore. We're doing this for the boys, for the relay. So that's when it became like a real, real team effort. So I think there's a healthy degree of um, competition in our training environment, but it never gets like, you know, too, too nasty or anything like that. And, and, and lead up to the games, it's like, yeah, we're just pushing each other for the, that four by two, which was exciting. Yeah, that was uh, certainly a focal point, I guess, at some point where, you know, you guys come together and and know that you're a contender for that relay gold as well. That's a big mm-hmm. deal. When when did the boys actually start to talk to each other and come together on that one? Um, so Jimmy and I obviously train in the same group and yep. Matt Richards is in the other group in Bath. So we, we chat to him every now and again. But like I think as soon as, like, I saw what Duncan and I were going on the two and the three, you know, number one and two in the world. I know I knew Jimmy was going to go quick. You know, never a shadow of doubt in my mind. Matt, I was interested to see how he would race that one. You know, eighteen years old, biggest stage of his life. Um, I'd see his, how uh, his third one. leg was just phenomenal. And I've had I've had so many people <laughs> come up to me and say that honestly, absolutely so many people. Um, Sorry, that was what? a little meme that went around. <laughs> Too funny not to miss that. One. Yeah, absolutely did the rounds, didn't it? Um, <laughs> did. But no, his. I mean, well, his third leg was you know incredible <laughs> it was very very good um and all credit to him what do you mean the other group in bath is there another group yeah there's two squads there's, there's dave's squad and then there's joel fink's squad which oh, was joel. the squad that, that jimmy used to be in before he right. moved over to dave's squad right. um so in joel's squad there's eight boys it's like um matt richards callum jarvis who's from the heat of the four by two you know they got fly swimmer and i am swimmer um yeah a few other lads so they're the two squads in bath Right, yeah. Um, Joel used to be one of my coaches when I was swimming. Did you know that? Oh no way! I did not know yep. that. Yeah, Joel was um, Joel was assistant coach from my head coach mm-hmm. um, when I was swimming at the time. So Joel and I go way back. But uh, yeah. heading back to Australia now, hey? Uh, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. I'm, I'm actually caught up with what's going on in the British oh. world. Oh mate, yeah. come on! What have you been doing? I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not up to date, not to speed just yet. Fair enough. You get back on. Yeah, he's going back to Australia, so that's mm-hmm. that's it. He's going back to Melbourne. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to his roots. But um, mm-hmm. well, that's cool. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that about the two different squads and the, yeah, and the yeah. young kid. That's awesome. So, uh, so at what point did you feel like um, you know, you guys were were going to win that one? I mean, uh, who was who were you, who were the contenders? It was obviously the U.S. You felt like were the the top guys to go after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, US, um, the Australians. Um, but to be honest, there was, there was no, there was never a shadow of doubt in my mind. And that's not an arrogant thing, that's a confidence thing. Right, and, right. You know, back in the boys I was with, like, we've been talking about this. Well, I mean, I've only been on the team since 2018, but obviously, British Swimming have been talking about it since Rio, since they got the silver. Uh, and it's always been, you know, finding that golden combination of 200 freestyle. It's always been so tight, 200 freestyles in the UK. You know, considering how small we are as a country, it took a 147 just to make it out the heats at our trials. You know, there are that many guys battling for a spot on that four by two because, you know, you know, if you're on there, you're getting a medal and hopefully it'll be, you know, a nice gold color. So it's been so, so competitive, but it's been a long time coming as well and, and, and going into it. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't really have any doubts on that, really. I, I knew how strong we were and I was just excited to be part of it, really. Yeah, mate, I saw something where it said you're the first British swimmer to win two goals at the same games in swimming in 113 years. That's that's massive, eh? Uh, first male swimmer. Um, yeah. Hamilton did it in 08. But yeah, first, first male swimmer. First male. Yeah, that's that's pretty, that's an honour. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Stats like that really you know, put in perspective a little bit. So um, yeah, very, very, very special. What was this guy's name? I wrote down this guy's name that uh, won the two. Henry Taylor. You heard of Henry yeah. Taylor? Well, it was. It was. Wasn't it like 1908? Because yeah. happened, like, everything happened. So 1908 was in London, I think. Oh. And there were, like barely any countries competing. I think a third of all the swimmers were Brits. So that whenever they talk about our medal hall, it's always compared to 1908, where it was like a bit skewed. 
to be honest. You know? Mate, come on. Give Henry Taylor some credit here, all right? Yeah, he won the Tour of Free. <laughs> I want to know what time he won it in now. Yeah, I think it was like uh, 2, 2.32. Oh, close. <laughs> close. Race. Henry Taylor. Good for him. What about this, mate? Uh, ISL. Why no ISL this season for you? I'm doing ISL this season. Uh, I'm just not doing the Naples round. Uh, the plan is to head out to the playoffs. Um, but I just need an extended break, um, you know, enjoy a bit of time off, spend some time with my family, um, sort everything media-wise. Uh, and just, you know, I felt like if I rushed back too too quick back into it, you know, Aniel said that same quote. He said, look, if it takes six months, take six months because his regret was getting back in too quickly after London. And, and you know, he said it, it, it kind of messed with his career from then on out. So, you know, I wanted to wait until I had the itch to get back in the pool and, and right. you know, as exciting as ISL is, the games is what we do it for. And, and I'm looking at three years from now, not, you know, three weeks from now. So, um, yeah, I just need a bit more time off and, and I'm, you know, pretty happy with my decision. So is there a definitive time yet or are you still like feeling it out? Like you're not sure when you're going to get back into the pool? Yeah, still feeling it out a little bit. You know, I want to start getting back into the rhythm of things and going in for a few dips. You know, at the end of the day, it's like my, my favorite hobby. It's, it's my favorite thing to do. So um, it's, it's, it's healthy to have a balance. Look at PT. He's taken a, you know, a big chunk, mm. chunk of time off and obviously he's been on the world stage longer than I have. But I think it's still important after something is as massive as the games, you know, the pinnacle of our sport and uh, the highlight of our four years. So you need to step away from it a little bit and, and appreciate things outside of the pool, um, appreciate my friends, my family, spending some like time with them that I haven't been able to in the last, you know, 12, 18 months because of COVID and the training and everything. So I think it's important to have that balance. And and then when you have an appreciation for it and, and it's really sunk in what, what you've achieved and, and you want to get back in and, and start laying the foundations for the years to come then then that's when you want to get back in the pool but but you know there's there's no rush there's no rush what do you think this uh resurgence of british swimming especially on the male side do you think pd has a great deal to do with this don't you think um yeah i think i think obviously pt is the, the flagship swimmer for british swimming and and what he's done has been amazing and he's he's changed the sport and he's definitely changed british swimming um but i think you know I'm sure he'll agree with me, but it's no longer just the the PT show, you know, which is mm -hmm. a really great thing for everyone. You know, we're yep. getting relay medals. We're, we're dominant across the relays. We're, we're getting individual medals. Um, you know, we're, we're really a force to be reckoned with now. And, and I think if you look at progression from London to Rio to Tokyo, you know, all credit to British Swimming and what they've done and how they've implemented a new, um, a new system. Um, but we've just been getting stronger and stronger. So it's great to see what PT's doing, you know, honestly, like unreal, you know, one once in a lifetime kind of athlete, and how he's changed the sport and the the, the breaststroke um, kind of arena. But um, it's really great that we've got so many people coming up through the ranks now, and I'm excited to just to be you know a part of it. Really, yeah, good stuff, mate. Um, I mean, he's he's given you some belief, but you're given millions of other swimmers now some belief that anything's possible too. So it's definitely one of those things that spreads throughout the community. You know, I think so. That's cool. Um, what about this, mate? Uh, simple question. What's your favorite pub? What's my favorite pub? Yeah, favorite pub, mate. What is it? Oh, probably the Cork. It's just over the road from where I am now, just here in Bath. Yeah. It's got the Cork. Nice little, yeah, the Cork. It's got like two levels. It's like an outdoor bit and then it's like an inside nice. bit up top. And yeah, it's absolutely spot on. Mate, I love a good British pub. Yeah, what about Bath? Yeah, come through. Bath. What about your favorite meal at the pub there? Oh, I mean, I love fish and chips, like, oh, you know, proper like pub grub kind of stuff. Or there's a good like place that does Sunday roast just up the road and you get a view over all the bath called the Hare and Hounds. So, um, oh, yeah, if you're ever coming by, you got to stop over. Absolutely. Mate, I love it. I love good yeah. British pub for sure. Good mm -hmm. good pub meal. Awesome. Um, well, mate, listen, Matt, I appreciate you taking the time here and just getting to know you a little bit, having a little bit of fun with you. Um you know, Jimmy told me I could have a little fun with you, so that's yeah, good. that's fair enough. You can have a bit of fun with Jimmy as well. I'll take some dirt on him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, listen, mate. Good luck for uh, you know. Enjoy your break because I, I agree with all those guys. What they said, you know, the the way and longevity is a is a good break. And mm -hmm. um, obviously, you got Paris in your sights. Can you see yeah. yourself going beyond Paris? You think? Uh, I think I'll have to wait and see. You know, three years ago from now, I wouldn't have even thought. You know, I was just, I was like an age group swimmer. I wasn't even thinking about full-time senior swimming, or, you know, let alone the Olympics. You know, how can I even say what, you know, where I'm going to be in my life three years from now? So I'm excited to see where it goes and, you know, excited to kind of get on the journey. Um, but, you know, if I can 
have a, a you know a long career in the sport, then that's all I could wish for. Who's the last British swimmer to repeat as an Olympic champion? Um, Petey, surely. Oh, Petey, of course. Yeah. 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 So, um, which Absolutely. is, I think, you know, even more credit to him because it was over a five year span right. with a pandemic, with right. lockdowns. I think it was only, it was like only Petey and Hideki, wasn't it, who repeated mm-hmm. Rio to Rio to Tokyo. Right. Um, I mean, that, that shows dominance. That shows because it's one thing doing it once. Mm-hmm. To be able to replicate that and repeat it shows, you know, absolute dominance in the sport. So, all credit to him. Just quickly, I meant to ask you this earlier. Sorry, I'll I'll, I'll let you go after this. But just um, when you're at your peak, what does your weekly schedule look like? Um, like training schedule. Yeah, just just give us a rundown real um, quick of what I mean, it looks like. You know, we're doing ten sessions in the pool. Uh, double Monday, double Tuesday, single Wednesday, double Thursday, double Friday, single Saturday. Uh, we're gymming Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're doing Pilates twice a week. We're doing three core sessions a week. And then we do two shoulder and hip capacity sessions a week. Uh, and then obviously meetings, nutritionist, physio, um, soft tissue work. Um, and, and that's kind of it. So, yeah, yeah, full-time job. And you can see why it's so difficult to balance a mechanical engineering degree and mm-hmm. full-time national center swimming. So, um, yeah, busy, busy, busy. Yeah. What about in terms of uh, the peak yardage for each workout during those 10 sessions uh it depends on the block we're in so an, an aerobic block will be different to an anaerobic block um you know an aerobic block we might be looking at i don't know 55k weeks maybe mm-hmm. 60k weeks um so not stupid yardage but you know some some pretty hefty sessions um might creep up to the odd seven and a half k eight k session every now and again but you know they're few and far between um so yeah that's kind of where we're pitching it Right, right. Well, good stuff, mate. Well, listen, enjoy that break before you get back into that stuff again. Because uh, yeah, I know, definitely need it. But um, I appreciate yeah. your time today, mate. Thanks a lot. No worries. Thank you. All right, thanks, Tom. Take care, mate. All right. So the Magic Five Custom Swim Goggles. Now I got to tell you, I really love these things. I did the scan. I got the Magic Five app, and I held up my phone to my face. It took a scan of my face within ten seconds. It shoots it off, gets processed, and within a couple of weeks, I get these brand new goggles that are custom fit to my face. No leaks. The gasket fits perfectly around my eyes. I got to tell you, these things look beautiful. They're they're good-looking goggles. They're super clear. I can see out of the peripheral. Everything is as I would want it. Custom fit. Use code BRETTHAWK20 to get 20% off your own pair of custom fit Magic 5 goggles. These things are incredible. I highly recommend them. All strokes, breaststroke, backstroke, butterfly, freestyle, perfect fit to your face. Get yourself a pair today.